from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast The film may be over a month from releasing but the noise against Shahrukh Khan star of Pathan has reached a high pitch already Pradesh Home Minister of MP Narottam Mishra has now objected to the clothing of actress Deepika Padukone in the song of her upcoming movie Pathan the song is called Besharam Rang Actor Amir Khan faced similar targeting before the release of his big budget film Lal Singh Chadda At the time Amir Khan chose to play down the objections and requested people to watch the film. Shah Rukh Khan so far has taken a slightly different stance against the opposition to the film. The collective narrative of a times is shaped by social media. And contrary to the belief that the spread of social media will affect cinema negatively, I believe cinema has an even more important role to play now. Social media is often driven by a certain narrowness of view. that limits human nature to its baser self i read somewhere that negativity increases social media consumption and thereby increases its commercial value as well such pursuits enclose the collective narrative making it divisive and destructive earlier this year we done an episode in which we'd examine the social media campaigns that are fueling anger against the hindi film industry and the impact it's having in light of the controversy over this new film we're bringing that episode back today there are many theories about why the hindi film industry which is india's biggest has lost its magic touch there are many reasons being blamed and one of them is a trend on social media that's been acquiring steam since 2020 in today's episode we examine how hashtag campaigns are being used to push a certain agenda the pitfalls of it and how it's affecting an already struggling hindi film industry The hashtag boycott Bollywood's been around since 2020 when actor Sushant Singh Rajput died by suicide. At the time, it seemed directed at those who were accused of targeting the actor when he was alive and those who were blamed for his death. But Joyjit Pal says they noticed a change in August of 2022. Joyjit is an associate professor at the School of Information at the University of Michigan Ann Arbor. Shreya Agarwal and he examined the trend closely on Twitter between August and September. They looked at Twitter since it's the only social media that allows researchers to see most users' activity as compared to other instant messaging and social media apps which restrict how much researchers can see. In a paper published recently, they documented different sorts of accounts pushing these hashtags very actively. Joyjit explains what's in common among those actively participating in these campaigns. the data shows that the people who are using these boycott bollywood the obviously the number one topic among the high frequency tweeters tends to be sushant singh rajput uh, very very consistently you'll find there's a lot of hindutva stuff going on but also a small number of people who are just openly peddling products so there is a clear commercial incentive also to the boycott bollywood now that being said there is a very significant number of people who truly believe in boycott bollywood and they are in it completely outside of ghost accounts as part of something that they buy into so one important distinction is whether a film is uh the kind of star and budget of the film and the second is whether it is an ott film or whether it is a theater film 
Now, OTT films, it is not worth a significant campaign to begin with because the OTT has its own ways of, of uh, promoting the film. It doesn't matter to Netflix that everybody is saying boycott darlings. If Netflix has it as number one for India for a given day, it is going to catch its viewership. And that has been true for other films which have been boycotted in the past as well. The theater part of it is actually the much stronger thrust of Boycott Bollywood. And in my opinion, the Boycott Bollywood is not aimed at Bollywood at all. It is aimed at the larger idea of Bollywood. So this might be much more worth going after uh, Brahmastra than, say, Dobara, right? Both of them are theater releases. But uh, you can assume that Dobara in general does not expect massive numbers of people showing up for the theater. And you have the reverse possibility that by tweeting about it, you might give it a lot of attention. So one example is that uh, Swarab Haskar made a film, uh, Jahan Charyar, and that actually got a lot less negative press than we had expected, given that Swara herself is very significantly attacked online. But in this case, it might have very well been that, well, if you attack the film, you might be actually bringing it uh, more attention by attacking it more aggressively. Whereas Brahmastra, the level of publicity PR that is there for that or Lal Singh Chetta is already quite extreme. So by boycotting that, you are going after a giant if you are sort of the average Twitter user. So it makes more sense for you. Whether the film actually does badly or not because of uh, the Twitter activity, I would say highly unlikely. But I think there's a longer term play over here with regard to uh, how people see and saleable certain stars, how they see as certain stars as being interwoven into our aspiration. This is a speculation, but I think that that's the bigger play of why some of the big budget films are attacked. One, you say that those running this campaign are sort of aware of the Barbara Streisand effect, which is that you don't talk about something if you don't want any attention towards it, because any kind of attention on it kind of gets audiences towards it. And for two, it's very interesting that you say that you believe it doesn't affect a Bollywood film, because the natural correlation would be that if I have such big campaigns, they probably move into other platforms and possibly do influence audiences against a film. So the reason why I say it doesn't affect the film is because what I'm saying here is that it is aimed not at the film per se, but at the larger ecosystem behind the film. So you might not be particularly interested in undermining uh, Lal Singh Chadda as much as you are in undermining Amir Khan as a saleable actor. If over time people feel, the people who are in the industry feel that, you know, why don't I just move to a less controversial star? That is clearly the uh, thing that has happened with a few of the uh, movie actors and uh, filmmakers who are seen as quote-unquote blacklisted. I don't doubt that. Uh, what is probably happening also is that the people who are engaging in this activity are very aware of the fact that they themselves are gaining a kind of ransom 
ability against producers. So if you have an ecosystem in place that any film you want to uh, run down, you can do so very easily, uh, you could have the reverse value of telling somebody that, well, do you just want me to keep quiet about your film? Here's the terms for me to be quiet about your film, or rather to call it something that all of Indians should support. So over time, if you present the case that a filmmaker or a set of actors, their production is antithetical to a national interest, can damage that. I mean, cases of that happening. But you'll also look at things like the sort of coordinated attacks we've seen in the past on, say, the Google App Store and things like that, where in this case, it went to IMDb. Could you explain how quickly these campaigns move from one platform to another? And how does it sort of change perceptions to some degree? So uh, I don't think that the um, that there is a movement uh, per se from one platform to another. What I would probably say is that this is happening um, simultaneously. Uh, so what is typically happening is that uh, you have, as soon as the film is released, that the online um, attacks start happening uh, on Twitter, but at the same time, attacks will start happening on the film on social media, right? So uh, one part of that is IMDb, where uh, in the last uh, probably about uh, seven or eight years or so, there's been this pattern of systematically pulling down a film. Uh, in fact, one of the major films that got pulled down back in the day, I mean, it's not like a great film or something, is a film called Gunde, which was for a long time the lowest rated film in IMDb. And then it like, of course, it showed up that, okay, there was some kind of systematic voting going on. But India is not the only place where this happens. IMDb has certain markers for when a film's rating looks like it has been done illicitly. And uh, by that, I mean there's some systematic upvoting or systematic downvoting of a film. If you look at the films which are listed under this, you can actually search by films which uh, have uh, this kind of um, uh, voting activity. The majority of those films are from India. And uh, there are films which are typically attacked either for a character that the film is about who is controversial for whatever reason, or it would be the character of the film or the actor who plays in that film, which would be um, Lal Singh Chedda with Amir Khan would be a case of that. Uh, or the film is somehow woven into some kind of nationalistic sentiment. So essentially what is happening is this, this, this notion of the wisdom of the crowd is very much a, a, almost like a passe idea once the crowd turns into a mob and can influence what the public view of a film is. Like Joyjit had explained earlier, many of those engaged in these trends are connected with social media campaigns conducted after Sushant Singh Rajput's death. He says that around October 2020, the furore over the actor's death had died down after multiple arrests and interrogations of many Bollywood stars. BJP leaders like Subramanian Swami and Kailash Vijayavargya, who had actively participated in campaigns till then, had fallen silent. What happened by October of 2020 
is that the community around Sushant Singh Rajput went from being people generally interested in Sushant Singh Rajput or voyeuristically looking at the drama that's going on to simply a small group of people who then consistently and much more aggressively start tweeting about Sushant Singh Rajput. Also, the influencers who made their career around Sushant Singh Rajput realized by this point of time that the Sushant Singh Rajput story is not selling to the general public. What is selling is the idea of a conspiracy, which is not about Sushant Singh Rajput alone, but about the Bollywood industry. So the same people who engineered that story then continued to be influential online by moving from that topic to Boycott Bollywood. Today, if you look at the Boycott Bollywood tweeting, the same key characters who were pushing the Sushant Singh Rajput story as sort of kingmakers, um, and the way that you know this is that the person says something on a tweet like today's trend line or, or tagline or trend line or, or hashtag is the following, whatever it is, you know, we love Sushant, something like that. And the people who did that part of the Sushant Singh Rajput campaign ended up starting to do those trend line type topics around Boycott Bollywood. So if you look at Boycott Bollywood, it's been happening since October 2020. Every week you will see one Boycott Bollywood happening. And that time it was entirely driven by Sushant Singh Rajput. What happened in August 2022 is that that Boycott Bollywood became very broad based beyond Boycott Bollywood itself, uh, beyond the Sushant Rajput and all that community to everyone piling on to Lal Singh Chadda first. And then of course, Brahmastra came afterwards. And what do the influencers gain from the strength of these campaigns? The core uh, people who drove the Sushant campaign as well as the Boycott Bollywood campaign have gained significant following. You know, the, the following might be in the numbers of uh, tens of thousands, right? But the point is that that following of 20, 30, 40,000 is a very dedicated following. So whenever they say something, it immediately gets aggressively engaged by all of their followers. What they say gets so aggressively retweeted because their fan base, it's almost like Sushant fan base has now become this small time influencers fan base. And what that does to that influencer, whether they are selling their services or not, I obviously can't comment on that. I don't know this. But that person now has the ability to make something go viral. That is a saleable skill. And that is how this community has evolved over time. And with something like a Lal Singh Chadda, we had actors like you had Amir Khan who has been issuing apologies for things all the way back to 2015 since his first comment on intolerance was made. Um, but that didn't help him. Once you get onto this blacklist, there's no coming off it? I don't know. Uh, I don't know basically who runs these blacklists. But uh, clearly what we can see is that there is a consistent attacking of some people who are either directly vocal in their opposition to a certain uh, kind of um, uh, philosophical position on the nation and its uh, composition, or there is attacks on people who are seen as falling on the wrong side, this kind of love jihad conversation. All uh, Muslim actors who are married to um, Hindu women, 
tend to be consistently trolled as uh, being somehow on the wrong side of history for uh, the personal choices that they made. Now, whether that is uh, very structurally controlled top-down or not, I don't know. But clearly the evidence shows that their films are much more targeted than others. But the interesting thing again here is that this has the potential of going in the way of an extreme right movement, which is even outside of uh, the control of the extreme right in the political spectrum, which has happened in the US, for instance, there were some people who were too far right, even for Trump, and that they started to reject Trump as not far right enough. And so it could entirely happen that, uh, that the same thing would repeat itself, uh, driven by a fairly significant online community. When Vijay Devarakonda's Hindi debut film Liger was actively targeted by these campaigns, it was a break from how southern films and stars are normally treated. Those involved with Boycott Bollywood usually stay far away from southern films. So why do southern film stars not get treated the same way as their Bollywood counterparts? And why was Liger targeted? What happened with Liger here is that A, Vijay Devakonda does not have the kind of fan base that the more established uh, South stars have. Vijay Devakonda is a relatively newcomer in this industry and is not from one of the more powerful family lines. These are people who are in the industry, much more established and have a bigger fan base. The other thing is, of course, you know, this uh, Liger also had uh, other actors who are from the traditional Bollywood film industry who are considered to be part of the uh, nepotism um, uh, circuit. And while the boycott Bollywood has, has shown a significant trend away from the nepotism as being the main criticism of Bollywood to anti-national as the new criticism of Bollywood. Another interesting point that you all point out is the fact that Southern films have issues like plot problems, um, nepotism and other issues that could be said are common to Bollywood, but they never face as many coordinated campaigns. Uh, what explains why these Southern films are sort of getting a free pass? As in, is it because they have more dedicated fan followings themselves? So the Southern films which are getting a free pass are not all Southern films. This is like a subset of Southern films which are being held up as an example to propose that that is the composition of the entire South industry. If you look at uh, uh, the, the, the three films which are consistently talking about how great these films are, this is kind of uh, RRR, uh, Bahubali and KGF and to, to an extent Pushpa as well. What has also happened is these uh, South actors have been presented as very kind of uh, God-fearing, continuously praying type of people. Their pictures are put out alongside their wife or partner or what have you, and children. And juxtaposed against that, you will see some picture of a Hindi film uh, actor who's... Uh, posing, pregnancy pose with the baby bump showing and to present as though that this is um, somehow backward notion of what it means to be an ideal woman 
uh, alongside the uh, more Bharatiya Nari type person who's uh, standing next to the husband. Now, that, of course, is obviously a selective uh, picture. That same uh, South uh, uh, actor might uh, very much be seen in a bikini or whatever it is that this person is being blamed for on one side of the uh, meme. But that selective use is being made to show that there is something fundamentally wrong with the Hindi industry, which is not with the South industry. The underlying element of what's going on is that the South industry does not have major Muslim stars. So I would say the South is simply being used in, uh, you know, what we might call a dummy variable to show that, you know, here is uh, why we are worse than that. It's being shown through these set of images. It's not some deep reading of South cinema, and it's a very selective framing into a small set of South films. What you should also understand here is that South cinema has a star system, which is arranged around fan clubs. So if you try to systematically attack, say, a Vijay or Ajit film, it's not going to go unnoticed. I mean, that the, that fan base for that film will come after you with a vengeance, whether you are boycott Bollywood, whoever it is. As a mob, you're much more effective against someone who is defenseless in the mob. And in uh, many of these Bollywood films, that star or director is not employing uh, sort of thuggish masses to go after the people who are doing this. Uh, lots of big movies got delayed. And the movies that one saw then finally in theatres were actually two years old. And if you if you look at them, not even two years old, if you look at the making of the films, films like 83, almost four years old. And the world had changed. So uh, obviously the same things were not relevant anymore. Some were, some were not. And uh, then because of this enormous appetite that we had discovered for regional cinema, so, so much changed. And uh, there was this sense that not only was Bollywood not being able to keep pace, it was also this den of everything that was terrible. Thanks to a career as a journalist and editor spanning decades, Kaveri Bamzai has a pretty good idea of what makes Bollywood tick. As she says, one big problem for Bollywood was that as it emerged from the worst of the pandemic, it emerged with dated films. At the same time, she says the industry's image took a beating in terms of perception after Sushant Singh Rajput's death. Kaveri explains how much social media campaigns like Boycott Bollywood can affect films. But she also explains that Bollywood has a bigger problem than just social media campaigns. For someone who's not so familiar, uh, especially in the era of OTTs and satellite rides, how much does a theatrical release still matter to a Bollywood? Well, uh, you know, the fact is that theatrical releases are still the only measure of stardom world over. You know, no matter who says what, uh, Tom Cruise is still the biggest star in the world, the biggest movie star in the world, because his movies do well at the box office. And this is across reason, whatever language uh, you talk of. I mean, if a Vikram does 400 crore at the box office, it shows that even after a four-year gap, is a huge start. The measure of a movie star 
for the measure of stardom, especially in uh, the fact that you still do not have complete transparency from uh, streaming services. You know, just about a few of them give out their subscription numbers. We don't really know how a movie does. We we have a sense. So then, in the mix, when box office is this critical, you have something like a boycott Bollywood trend, yeah. which you know sort of embraces those three terrible Ds that you spoke of: mm-hmm. debauchery, uh, dynasty, and dynasty drugs. and drugs. Yeah. And, and don't forget NCB's role in completely demolishing or uh, attempting to demolish uh, the image of Bollywood. It was pretty successful. So, how successful do you think it's been? You're saying it's like conclusive that it it has severely dented these stars uh for sure when you look at big movie stars like say uh Deepika Padukone or Ananya Pandey who were whom you saw you know going up to NCB office being investigated questioned there is no doubt that it makes a difference the social media may be a small drop in the ocean if you look at it. I mean, no, okay, WhatsApp is 200 million, but how much is Twitter? It's a tiny uh, sort of microcosm of uh, uh, Indian society, but it it has an impact. It has uh, an it has this amplifier effect. You know, some chatter gets on Twitter, some chatter reaches WhatsApp, some chatter reaches Instagram. You know, so it has this amplification which. Uh, far exceeds just the kind of uh, PR press that you get in some tabloids or the star's own Instagram handles. But I think the fact is that a boycott Bollywood movement, yes, sure, it's on social media, but it has a, a physical impact as well. And it has a psychological and cultural impact as well. You have, uh, uh, you know, Twitter handles systematically uh, picks out and sort of, uh, you know, marks out uh, scenes and dialogues which it sees as un-Hindu or being anti-Hindu. These kinds of things then get into uh, the social, cultural conversation, you know, and um, uh, again becomes magnified, uh, gets uh, new kinds of... uh, uh, audiences, gets new kinds of avenues. So psychologically, culturally, I think Boycott Bollywood has been very successful. Uh, if you ask me in terms of actually hurting uh, the box office of uh, a revenue of certain movies, I'm not so sure. That is very difficult to um, actually quantify. But uh, if there is so much negative chatter around a movie, uh, it will certainly prevent people from going to uh, the theatres at a time when uh, movie tickets are prohibitively expensive. Is Bollywood, do you think it's already reacting to these sort of campaigns and this sort of constant pressure that they're under? Of course, we've seen examples of it before. I mean, much before Boycott Bollywood started trending, before all this. Uh, remember the kind of... Um, pressure there was when uh, the ban uh, Pakistani actors movement started. It was not exactly a movement. It was more like a politically uh, driven agenda. But um, if if you recall, there was um, 
almost like a hostage video from Karan Johar apologizing for casting uh, a talented actor like Fawad Khan in Ae Dil Hai Mushkil. And that was much before this whole movement started. So, um, and of course, you've had the prime minister uh, repeatedly telling Bollywood that it should make nationalistic and sakaratmak uh, stories, as he says. The celebration of something like Uri, which was almost like army propaganda, well-made, uh, no doubt, uh, well-made, entertaining, but it was literally sanctioned propaganda. So over the years, I think Bollywood has uh, tried to curry favor with the establishment just to make sure that it doesn't uh, in any way uh, explode on it. So there's been a lot of uh, collaboration, shall we say, between the industry and um, the political establishment. Uh, not all of it, I think, is voluntary, but it is certainly done so that uh, the powers that be are kept happy. But what happens over years is if you continue to do that, you lose sight of what your purpose of the industry. The purpose of the industry is to entertain, tell good stories uh, without looking at, looking over its shoulder. And the purpose of uh, the industry is not to silence voices which may uh, be uh, um, which may not agree with this idea, which may not agree with uh, uh, you know certain political thoughts that uh, the establishment has. There's been a snowball effect of this kind of uh, I wouldn't call it cultural censorship, but I would certainly call it a cultural self censorship. And I think that is evident when you look at the kind of stories that some uh, cinema on the languages does. You look at a film like Sita Ramam, which is a Telugu film uh, with Ari, uh, starring Dulka Salman and uh, Rinal Thakur. It's a Hindu-Muslim love affair. Uh, the One of the major protagonists is uh, a Pakistani woman played by Rashmika Mandana. It talks about the 1965 war. It talks about prisoners of war and how they were treated by Pakistan. It talks about terrorism and um, issues that uh, a lot of uh, Hindi filmmakers would really find it tough to even approach. Uh, the idea that a Hindu-Muslim love affair is not love jihad uh, would be difficult for a Hindi filmmaker to talk about. So um, uh, I think there is a lot of self-censorship that goes on, which is preventing certain stories from being told and told well. How do you think the film industry could deal with this better? As in, what does it do differently to get along now? It's going to be very tough for the industry to do that. One is to unite and to speak in one voice, which is very difficult because it's a very uh, disunited, I would say, uh, uh, not purposely, but it's just the way things are. It's a little difficult to get um, uh, unanimity in Bollywood. What it can do differently is it can go back to telling stories the way it did fearlessly without looking over its shoulder employing the kind of writers who are able to uh, tell authentic stories that are true to uh, people's experiences and not just uh, the experiences of a handful of people who live between Juhu and uh, Bandra, as is often said. Uh, and uh, even when they approach the small towns, they do it in a very factory-like fashion, you know, so there's a formula in place. So small towns are currently, small town stories are working well. So let's do a slew of stories based on small towns. You know, it doesn't work like that. You tell a story well, even if it's a remake, it'll do well. 
there's no such thing as, you know, this won't work or that won't work. What works is authenticity. What works is just a, a crackling good yarn. But while Bollywood's biggest challenge may be getting better stories and performances, Joyjit Pal says there are bigger worries that such campaigns present. He explains why he's worried for the average Indian internet user who has no way to see through such targeted campaigns. Also, what does he think about what Twitter is doing to handle campaigns like these? The platform is not handling at all because... Uh... A, the platform is not clear, has the resources to even handle it, even if it wanted to handle it. Like, who all are you going to shut up? And this is the point where the platforms have just put their hands up and said, well, you know, here are the small set of topics that we will uh, systematically go after because they have immediate violence in their threats and all that. Whereas here's all the other stuff is as well, you know, whatever happens, happens. Among other things, there's also no doubt that the platform benefits from this kind of engagement because that's driving up the number of people who are on Twitter. Now, if I may also say so, there is a weirdly awkward kind of community brotherhood coming out of this. So when we studied the Sushant Singh Rajput case, we found that the core people of Sushant Singh Rajput um, uh, um, activity on social media really thought of each other as a community and they actually found pleasure in each other's community. They actually uh, looked forward to messaging from each other's community. You could say this is just a total conspiracy theory community, but that community has a way of coming together under whatever is its um, shared interest by virtue of the fact that Twitter lets it. And you could argue exactly the same for the boycott Bollywood, whether it is uh, people who are just straight up in hatred of a specific uh, religious minority, or whether these are just people who love to hate on Bollywood cinema. Now they have a place to find friends of their own, which uh, I'm not saying that that's at all a good thing, but I'm saying that that is one of those things that social media companies base their being on creating communities. The problem really is that A, as the people who are individually invested in Twitter, how much abuse are you willing to tolerate before you say, man, this is just not worth my time. And that might happen at some level. But other than that, I don't see any change coming forth in the way Twitter operates. But this does like sort of, like you said, spill over onto the rest of the internet as well. This community then starts influencing things in other parts of the internet. It, it doesn't stay contained to Twitter at some point. Uh, you know, what does it mean for the average consumer who doesn't know all of this background? The average consumer of this content is being radicalized slowly enough that you hear one thing being said to you often enough over time, it just becomes the truth. And that's that's the way I would assume the real risk of these platforms uh, spewing the same thing at you because your recommender system just shows you the same stuff over and over again. You also have to realize that a lot of the people who have gone online in India have gone online directly on their mobile phones. 
What about somebody who does not come in with that understanding and thinks that what they are seeing online is more true than false? That changes the way people start uh, making their belief systems out of social media. And uh, um, the related thing to that is that one doesn't just believe things that are possibly false, but after a point, this is where your community is. So you are willing to let go of something, even if you highly suspect that it is not true. So you take for granted that somebody just sent you a meme which says that Bollywood is directly uh, funding some uh, terrorist uh, to kill soldiers in India. It You can question yourself that, yeah, this does not seem right. But then it agrees with your worldview. It agrees with the worldview of the community that you're part of on social media. So after some time, you say, okay, fine, you know, I'm just going to play along with this. And uh, you play along with this uh, long enough and then you've uh, sort of, uh, you know, that's become part of your worldview such that you pass it along even outside of social media. And just the way that social media is becoming the front line for creating what shows up on television is what should be the first alarming thing for us. This is actually not even WhatsApp or Facebook. Twitter is where this originated through the Sushant Rajput community. And now it's on television channels all the time. It's on print. And this is where social media has the potential to really cause deep-seated harm across the populations which are or are not in social media. And that is what probably scares me a lot more. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe, and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.